to the ether today is thursday january 20th 2022 today's episode of the ether is brought to you by talus talus protocol is the nft platform for independent artists on terra talus is dedicated to providing artists with the tools and resources needed to transition from traditional art into the nft world with their v1 launch coming soon talus will be the place to see real world art reflected on terra find your next favorite artist on talus.art TerraSpaces appreciates their support. Today on the Ether, we have a CFI space with Mr. Refractor. It's Prism Strategies. Let's take a listen. Your Y Luna and things of that nature. So there's quite a bit of information about there on that. I would certainly recommend sort of looking at the Prism uh, site for that. And there'll be plenty of instructions um, once everything gets started as well. Um, any also details can be found, I think, in the white paper as well as uh, uh, Mr. Factor. Do you have any um, other sort of resource or reference for the most up to date information as well? Yeah, so we tried to um, we tried to basically put everything everyone could need in one place. Um, and so, if you click in the top of the Prism Protocol bio, you'll see a link to our Notion site. And there you have links to our Twitter, Discord, Telegram, Light Paper, our YouTube video explaining um, how Prism works, our Medium website. And then we've got links to the launch announcement and then also some of the helpful community content that's been put together. Um, so Danku's put together a video and a, and a tweet thread explaining how the launch works. Le Jimmy's um, put, together a, uh, put together a dashboard where you can kind of um, put in your own numbers and it kind of spits out how much revenue uh, Prism's going to make. And then there's a, a great article by Lunar is Freedom um, that he put together trying to, you know, look from a uh, sort of as an ex equity fundamental analyst, uh, analyst, he's kind of had a bit of a, a, a crack at uh, seeing what a valuation could look like. And then, uh, you know, we've got helpful tweets that the community have put out some of the podcasts. So, um, you know, there's a great Delphi podcast on there. So, that's that's got everything. Uh, hopefully, everything you can even if there's anything missing, let us know and uh, um, anything that would be helpful, and we can ping it up. Okay, great. Yeah, so there's there's a fair amount of info out there. Uh, certainly, check the Prism Twitter feed as well, and I think you can pick up some of that. Um, what I wanted to get into a little bit today, uh, you know, was regarding hopefully a little bit of more like technical nitty gritty and. Uh, possible uh sort of strategies for the trading of y luna and p luna um and perhaps expectations about what i might have for um the process of moving from luna to p luna and y luna and then specifically also the concept of 
sort of like making sure I have enough P Luna and Y Luna if I want to convert back to Luna. Um, the various arbitrage opportunities um, related to the individual price of uh, Y Luna and P Luna, and uh, maybe how I might take advantage of that. So I was just kind of, kind of like, you know, do kind of like a little brainstorming here just to kind of look at some ideas and maybe take some um, maybe theories and ideas from people in the audience as far as like what you guys expect to do with your um, various tokens. Um, before we get to that, um, one sort of like section, like idea I wanted to kind of like uh, develop a little further. Um, I think everyone sort of has some idea of what why Luna is good for since obviously it has some yield attached to it um that yield uh is something in the you know eight to nine percent range right now plus or minus if you include airdrops and whatnot um and then you have that yield is going to actually decrease over time in theory uh the reason is because the yield is super high right now due to the ozone um community pool burn that I believe was uh, has resulted in an increase in yield over the period of like a couple of years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it, so at some point in the future, Y Luna will actually have less yield than it does now. Um, and that yield though will fluctuate considerably depending on how much economic activity is happening on Terra, uh, how much uh, seniorage is being collected via the stablecoin Luna burn mechanisms, <clears throat> and also just how much like trading activity is happening or, or just transactional activities happening on the Terra blockchain. So uh, with that in mind, just sort of like keep in mind, you, I think most people understand what your Y Luna might be for. I might sell, um, for example, I might refract my Luna, take the P Luna, sell it for whatever it's worth. Um, buy more Y Luna, assuming that I wanted more yield for whatever reason, and then I can deploy that Y Luna for staking, or in theory, um, I could use it on other protocols to my understanding, such as Pylon Gateway, um, you know, who may have, and, and other possible integrations. But uh, Mr. Factor, can you cover for us briefly first the Y Luna potential integrations that we might be able to use that for? um and or sort of like what the roadmap is for that right now yeah of course so um you know why luna uh, uh as you mentioned is gonna um give you the right to all of luna's yield so that's kind of staking rewards um and airdrops and so at the moment we're starting off um you know the, the first sort of big opportunity to use why luna is uh, phase four of our launch, which is going to be a farming event where people are, um, you know, people who are familiar with Apollo community farming event or stayed as a farming event, you're going to be able to use your Y Luna in that and effectively swap your Luna yield for Prism tokens. And then kind of like in, in terms of future integrations, really, it's, it's, um, it's kind of open season because I, I think, I think People want to maintain their lunar exposure. I know, at least for me, fundamentally, I, I mentioned on a Spaces the other day, like 
I really like Pylon and I think it's an amazing tool. But for me, I want to have um, my exposure, my underlying exposure in Luna because I want to be exposed to the, uh, you know, to the upside of Luna. So by doing Y Luna farming or Y Luna in something like Pylon Protocol, you're able to keep your Luna price exposure and just swap your yield for um, tokens in new protocols. So with the new Pylon governance, um, you know, if, if, if our farming event is uh, a success and, and Pylon um, would like something similar with Y Luna or Y Sol or Y, uh, y ETH, whatever it ends up being, then you, you would be able to use that on Pylon. Um, you know, there's also the opportunity when Nebula launches to kind of have clusters of YTs. Um, you know, Mars, you're going to potentially be able to kind of lend out your yield tokens. There's also the opportunity to make a compounding yield token, so you don't even need to collect your yield, um, which has like a potential admin and, and tax benefits. Um, we also are, uh, you know, talking with uh, Kinetic. Um, you might have seen some tweets on that um, between Prism and Kinetic, but that's a potential exciting integration where you can use your YLUNA to start um, paying down the yield on your uh, or paying down your loan faster or the capital on your loan faster. Um, so I think there's like, I think there's like, uh, you know, White Whale mentioned that they actually might potentially switch over one of their pools or look to do another pool with Y Luna Farming later on as well. So there's lots of um, different integrations. And I think these are, you know, these are the kind of things where it's sort of tip of the iceberg. And you see with uh, Anchor, you know, once that launched, the amount of protocols that get built on top of it, and what we're aiming to do is to try and create a um, money Lego or building block that people can uh, people can then sort of build on top of. And I'm sure there'll be lots more interesting ideas beyond those. So, um, you know, the way that I kind of uh, so I think the imagination, you know, is easy to be sparked using kind of Y Luna and what yield might do for you. Um, I, I think even like gaming applications or some other interesting sort of almost machines that can be built with the sort of like energy flowing out of the Y Luna is if you kind of look at it that way. Um, <clears throat> the so, but on the P Luna side, besides sort of governance, um, the valuation presumably is going to have something to do with the fact that you need one Pi Luna, I mean Pi Luna, one P Luna to um, match with one Y Luna to return to one full Luna. Um, is kind of my, the concept there. And the presumption would be that your P Luna and Y Luna in terms of valuation would be like the value of P Luna plus the value of Y Luna together should equal approximately the same price, the spot price of Luna at any given moment. So $100, you know, let's say Luna is $100 and, you know, Y Luna is priced at you know 30% of it that would be mean that it's worth $30 which automatically sort of means that P Luna should be worth $70 now the arbitrage opportunity in my mind would be like let's say there's a there's a point in time where at, at the moment that you look at the prices you're like hey look the uh, P Luna is valued at you know 60% of a Luna and uh, Y Luna is valued at um, let's say I don't know, 30% of, of a Luna. So now that adds up to 90%, but like you're getting a discount of 10% because the combination is actually worth less than one Luna. So the arbitrage would be 
opportunity would be you buy both of them and then like convert it to Luna immediately. And in theory, um, you know, in theory, you could you de-refract it. Rugs and like five minutes later, you're like, it's pretty quiet. Oh, I missed everything I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get everyone on in a second. Uh, yeah, well, while we get Hyperion back on, yeah, man, I've had the weirdest day. Like, so we had a friend that basically, well, a friend that died and uh, there's just blood all over his apartment. It's fucking disaster. And trying to doing like a damn CSI investigation over here. It's insane. Trying to figure out what's going on and like, like where all his paperwork is and all that kind of junk. Get him. Let's get uh, Hyperion back on here a second. That's a story for another time. <laughs> hey, you there? Sorry, I, I, I'm back. What did I? Uh, what did I miss? Yeah. Just back no, no, that we're just everyone. Well, what happened? What happened was my car was connected to like carplay or some crap and then my phone came through like someone was trying to call me and then it kicked us all off like i don't like or at least i couldn't speak into the thing anymore so it went nuts sorry about that guys <laughs> um hopefully everyone more or less got back on but um anyway yeah the, the 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 top getting back on topic here um yeah the thing i was asking was so do i have it right in terms of like in theory, the P Luna Y Luna ratio, uh, the, like the combination of the two, should approximately price wise add up to one Luna. Yeah, ex exactly. And for the reasons you mentioned, there's going to be, if if the example you gave um, earlier, when you know if you have a hundred dollar Luna and you know uh, the sum of P Luna and Y Luna is trading at less than a hundred dollars, then you have a very similar arbitrage situation to uh, B Luna, where um, you know you can buy B Luna at a discount, which I think um, you know is definitely one of the favourite ARBs in the ecosystem. And I think you know obviously that's closed up now, but I think people that were around in May were able to get that ARB at like thirty percent. Um, you know, some you know on on the odd occasion even more. So when you introduce new primitives like this. Um, you know, you, you start getting those new opportunities. And so for people that are aware of them early on, um, you know, it can, it, it can be exciting. And then you also have the other side of the ARP, which is when the sum of P Luna plus Y Luna is trading at more than $100. And, and that's a much quicker ARP because you're able to take $100, buy $100 worth of Luna, use that Luna to uh, sort of refract that Luna to get P Luna and Y Luna and immediately sell that P Luna and Y Luna for more than $100. And so that, that one's really quick because it doesn't involve any unstaking period um, like, like B, Luna, uh, you know, B Luna to Luna does when you buy it at a discount. Um, so those are, those are like the two main ARPs. Yeah, I was, you know, I was sort of like dreaming up ways of how to buy either P Luna or Y Luna um you know it's almost like the idea is like either a whichever one is below like 50 percent at any given time it might be one way to start like acquiring one or the other to get luna exposure um or um if like you said like you know basically the sum of the two parts is uh, uneven then maybe you pick up more of the one that is actually cheaper at that moment for whatever reason and it just sort of represents a type of like a different type of dollar cost average um where in theory you could program something that would 
like, uh, you know, buy one when it's lower, buy the other while it's lower, and then like come back and uh, convert them back into Luna at some point if you desire to do so. So I just was thinking about the various volatility arbitrages available. Um, you know, one one theory I had, oh, uh, separate, this question I had actually before we get to all that, P Luna, um, besides governance and besides its utility of converting back to Luna, um, what's your sense as far as things I might be able to do with P Luna? But the, the ones I kind of heard some rumors about were, the possibility of like a P Luna, um, like Levana 2X uh, type perpetual long or, a you know, a sh perpetual short if you want to sort of play the price action. And then the other one I, th I think I understood correctly was besides governance is you could use P Luna possibly to borrow against it on something like Mars. D are those about right? Or is there other like P other things that P Luna can do that i've missed yeah i think that's um that's it that's a good summary i think you know you'll have things like mars and edge protocol which are creating money markets and so you will be able to uh potentially deposit there as collateral um and then i think you know you're also going to get things like um the utility that would flow to an owner of luna is going to flow through to um through to P Luna. So for, for example, um, you know, and this is, this is something we have, we, we haven't announced yet, but we, you know, we, uh, I'm, I'm sure they won't mind is if you, you have this, uh, staking as a service now with coin hall. Now, um, if, if we theoretically were to use coin hall as one of our validators, because they're providing a great community service and, um, you know, potentially, there's some other really interesting integrations that we that we're going to announce with Coinhall, but one of the things that Coinhall does is staking as a service now, and so if you stake your Luna with them, you're going to have access to various tiers of services via Coinhall. Now, if Prism were to use Coinhall as one of its validators, then um, the the rights that um, a, a, the delegated Luna get would flow to the P lunar holder rather than the Y lunar holder in that instance, because your, your rights are as an owner rather than it being a, a right conferred by um, your yield. So it's, it's those sort of things. And then I think it's going to be really interesting because there's a lot of different views people have of where P lunar and Y lunar should trade. And a lot of people, um, you know, want to look at stuff on a fundamental um, bottoms up cash flow basis. And if something doesn't have a cash flow, then um, you know they have views that the value strongly flows to Y Luna. And then some people want to look at it and be like, well, look, if you know if that's if that's the case, then why do why does Doge trade where it does? Why does um, you know Bitcoin trade where it does? And these these assets that don't necessarily have a yield associated with them. So there's there's a lot of kind of different views. Um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully it's kind of just thinking about. What does principal ownership represent versus what does you know the rights to yield give you? Yeah, and there there's there's some differences too between say for example, um, Adam, which is an inflationary coin with inflationary yield, um, which exerts sort of its own selling pressure because of that, and something like Luna, which is by def by default deflationary, 
um, with a non-inflationary yield. So, you know, there might, you know, some of the theories I had were, okay, like once we have these various primitives, you know, it might be very interesting to uh, take, for example, the very high yield of Adam as Y Adam. Um, the yield is a bit more sort of consistent and fixed because it is inflationary. I think it starts at like 7% inflationary. And then like right now the yield is like 14%. I might like take all of my atom, convert it into Y atom, and then take all of the yield off of that, you know, flowing from that and then go by myself, say, for example, um, you know, like let's say P Luna is less expensive. Maybe I just get a truckload of P Luna using the yield off of that uh, Y atom. So uh, in my mind, like the real fun in games begin when you really get these other primitives, because then I can sort of like um, use the pros and cons of the various coins, um, like uh, deflationary and inflationary tokenomics to my advantage, because I look at this sort of more of a, over a long period of time. And, um, you know, over a year or two, those kinds of things do matter. Like if you look at, for example, the price velocity of Luna, it's considerably um, greater than Adams is. And that's probably for reasons that, you know, I've described in that Polkadot and Adam are essentially inflationary. So when selling time comes or when like a top shows up, you know, you know, there's plenty of tokens there that people can sell or can, you know, send off to do other things. Um, and there's just a lot more selling pressure in that regard. Um, also, because Luna's yield is partly UST and partly Luna, um, the the UST portion is fixed, and the amount of Luna being um, brought into the ecosystem is not nearly as high as, say, for example, the amount of it's it's an orders of magnitude lower than the amount of like atom being. Uh, produced in the atom ecosystem for an equivalent staked amount so there's some kind of magical things you can do with those like combos in my view um the, you know some of the products i'd like to see built are like let's say for example i like i really want mostly luna exposure and i'm pretty confident that you know over time like Y Luna or P Luna, I'm not too worried about which one I have, but I want to sort of play the price action of the two. I might look at doing like, for example, a rebalancer bot where I have, you know, let's say 50% Y Luna, 50% P Luna. And as the price of Y Luna rises, a rebalancer naturally will sell off, let's say, you know, 1%, you know, like, let's say I'm ahead. I'm in a, let's say I'm in a 2% rebalancer bot what would happen is, is if the price of Y Luna goes up 2% compared to my P Luna side, it's going to sell off 1% of it by, you know, Y Luna or the vice versa. And it's going to sort of rebalance and like, you know, auto trade the volatility. So I, I, I like this idea because like, instead of having half of my position in UST and half of my position in Luna, for example, I now can get full Luna exposure while still getting um, the volatility ARBs off of Y Luna and P Luna. Um, so that's a really compelling um, sort of game for me to play. And then if you add in like the volatility of, let's say for example, P Adam, or, you know, you could do something really interesting like a, a, a triple rebalancer. Or if I have like on top of all of that, let's say I took my Y Adam 
and I wanted to keep the 14% yield, I could actually have the yield redirected out of the Y Atom token and spill into the rebalancer bot of all the hyper volatility coins. And it's just just printing money like crazy while preserving my like, you know, yield output out of my original Atom token. So like these are kind of the my fantasy uh, world uh, video games here. Um, <laughs> any thoughts on any of those uh, theories, uh, Hyperion? Like, have you thought of similar kind of concepts yeah. and what to do about them? I, th- I think, um, you know, I, 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 uh, I guess my background is, is fixed income. So when I think about these kind of things, you know, I always go back to, um, you know, gov- government bonds, for example. You know, what if you could, what if you could have the safety of, you know, a German government bond, but take the yield of a Italian government bond or a Greek government? Your voice is cutting out there a little bit there. His connection's been kind of so-so. I actually want to explore uh, the topic he's discussing, which is like if you have a yield token, um, I, I'm I'm still not sure how it becomes like a bond, though. Like I think you guys have noticed why Luna's price ultimately is going to be sort of somewhat pegged to Luna's price. So like let's say why Luna's worth 30% of what Luna's worth. Uh, hold on, let me get him back on. Um, then let's say Luna goes from hundred dollars to two hundred dollars. Yeah, there, there you go. Now I was just kind of I was kind of thinking about the mechanics of this a little bit. But yeah, go ahead and finish your thought, and we'll yeah. I just, I, I was it, it was it. so you know what, I guess what people do in fixed income a lot is um, is they'll swap from you know they'll, they'll they'll go long Italian bonds and short German bonds, or you know long Greek bonds and short German bonds. And this actually gives you a similar thing that you can do, but um, even more focused because you're able to do exactly what you're talking about, where you might decide that fundamentally um, you want to own some atom, maybe, but you, you know, the yield um, atoms paying, you, you take a view that you'd rather actually like take a load of money up front for your future atom yield and use that to buy more lunar exposure. Or you might want to decide that, do you know what? I don't like atom yield. I'd rather keep my atom principal exposure and sell off my um, atom yield in order to buy sol yield or something like that. You know, so you can choose, you can then actually just create this hybrid of being like, well, you know, the asset I really want to own is atom, um, but for income, I'd like to own um, Solana yield or something like that. And so you can, you can mismatch, uh, mismatch these kind of um, different things. So yeah, definitely. Like, definitely something. Something I think about. I'm. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to be your guy uh, so much to uh, have strong views about bots and stuff like that. But I think that you know people like uh, you know the, the innovations that protocols like Nexus are having on these uh, strategies for people. I think once we create these Legos, um, they're going to be able to build some really really interesting stuff on top of it. If if that's what the community wants. Yeah, I, as you know, there's a couple of observa- observations about uh, Wyland on that bond discussion. You know, the interesting thing about Wyland, though, is technically it's still pegged to Luna's price. It's not like you're getting zero price exposure with it, right? Because one of the concepts was you'd get more price exposure with the P Luna token, but if Wyland generally trades at a ratio like um, or multiple to Luna, you would think that 
um, you're still get you're not like being protected from price action necessarily. Am I right about that? Because yeah, like, let's say yeah. you know thirty dollars worth of Y Luna, you know, plus seventy dollars worth of P Luna gets you one hundred dollar Luna. Then I don't necessarily solve the problem of um, uh, like I, I don't make myself like price price exposure free just because I'm in Y Luna, correct? Yeah, exactly. You you you'll you will have price exposure to Luna still because as I look at it now, there is um, you know in the in the Oracle Rewards contract, which is what pays out um, pays out your yield on Luna um, over two years. There's currently thirty four million Luna and one point four billion UST. So you are exposed to the the price of that thirty four million. Um, Luna, but it's it's less so than the uh, than you would be with the uh, principal token. So you're kind of um, amplifying your exposure to uh, to Luna's price if you're um, if you're long the principal token, and you're reducing um, your exposure to Luna's price if you're in the yield token rather than the principal token. But you, but you're not um, you're not. Uh, market neutral or, or or price agnostic to Luna. Got it. So um, you're, you know, because but yeah, what I was thinking was is kind of like strategically what I might use this for is, um, you know, you know, I, I like to kind of look at the idea that I can sort of like trade in Luna while being almost fully exposed to Luna, which is kind of interesting. Um, by like you know buying P Luna was cheap or Y Luna was cheap and vice versa. Um, so I think that's kind of a fun element to this, and there are some interesting basically. Yeah, I I I one hundred percent agree with you on that. I think if you have views on where these things are going to trade and they start um, settling in a range, um, you know you you know then you're able to kind of trade that range. Then you're going to be able to keep your lunar exposure and just juggle around which asset you um, you use, and you might you know, and the net result might be that if you're skillful at it and you have a strong view at it, you're going to end up um, overall uh, significantly increasing the amount of lunar that you have by the end of it. Yeah, sort of. Kind of my my theory was I was going to sort of look at the concept maybe with either Nexus or Prism or whoever, um, and essentially develop kind of a strategy where you have. Y Luna and P Luna sort of in like a rebalancer situation. And you're just playing like off the fact that like some of the time P Luna goes up in value, some of the time Y Luna goes up in value because it's going to move pretty much 24 seven, right? And if it's doing so within a fairly, you know, narrow range, it actually makes it fairly easy to just simply sort of get the R volatility trade, um, you know, uh, yield on it. But uh, Why Luna, as it stands, is not a liquid staked token, correct? So, so it is a um, it is a liquid token that you can freely trade around. If but you it, want to you're be- not, but you're, you have to stake it on your site to get the yield. No, Ex- exactly, exactly. So you have to. So as it stands in the first iteration, you can mint Y Luna and P Luna and do whatever you want with your Y Luna and P Luna, and they're free tokens that you can trade or LP or you know borrow and lend when that becomes available. But if you want to um, start claiming your yield, then you uh, just need to put it into one of these staking contracts. There's there's no unstaking period. You're free to like dip in and dip out as much as you like in that staking contract. But it's just because um, 
because lunar yield is paid in various different uh, forms, you need to have a contract where people people can effectively stake to so that they can start claiming that. And I guess on, on that point, one of the things, one of the questions that we've been getting a lot is, you know, lunar yield is paid in lots of different stable coins, some lunar, and then obviously your airdrops. And so what we're doing to kind of simplify it for people and, and a kind of requested feature was we're taking that stable coin bit, so KRT and UST, um, we're converting that to Luna, and then we're splitting it into Y Luna and P Luna. And so users um, who state their Y Luna are going to end up getting their yield paid in Y Luna, P Luna, and then their airdrops, so anchor airdrops and you know air, air, and everything else. And then in the future, um, we're going to be able to build a auto compounding yield token. Um, so in that situation, what would happen is all of Luna's, all of that yield would be um, used to buy more Y Luna, and then that would be dropped into the auto compounding Y Luna um, contract. And then you have an auto compounding uh, Y Luna token that you can freely trade around, you can LP with, you can um, send across chain, and you're still going to be all the time compounding. So that's very similar to the way that AUST works, for example. And this would be like an auto compounding Y Luna only, or um, or uh, it, it, what kind of design were you thinking about? Kind of like the what what exactly is being auto compounded? So you're getting your UST, you're getting your Luna rewards, and then it auto compounds to like a like like you know super Y Luna or whatever. Like what do you want? How, yeah, the so, mechanism? so the way so the way um, the way auto compounders work will have to work um, if you want them to be liquid tokens is they have to, you, you put in your original token, so say Y Luna, and then what you'd be given um, is uh, XY Luna. And X is just the acronym used for a lot of these auto compounding tokens like Luna X or X Sushi or X Astro or X Mars or X Prism as we're going to have. So really all that happens in reality is you take your Y Luna, you drop it into a pool, and then, um, and then you get given what, a token called XY Luna, which just represents your share of all the Y Luna in that pool. Now, every single day, that Y Luna in the pool is earning more yield. And so that yield is then all converted to Y Luna on the AMM and then dropped into that pool. So you don't have to do anything with your XY Luna token. Um, but, you, but your pool that that represents a share of is getting bigger and bigger every single day. And so that's the way that AUST works. You know, you you originally drop UST into that big AUST pool and you get an AUST token out, token out, and every day Luna's yield is converted to UST, dropped into that AUST pool, and your the value of your AUST token increases. So with these auto compounding tokens, it would be exactly the same. So so the way I describe it why Luna, because it's a um, you know, would be the same architecture or infrastructure for any other token. You could easily have an auto-compounding Y-Sol token or an auto-compounding Y-Atom token, or you could end up having, um, you know, one of, the, uh, one of the sort of the contracts that we're building is LP tokens where you can split up an LP token. So you could have, you know, say you're um, in the B-Luna, Luna, Luna 
uh, LP pool on Astroport right now, for example, um, you're getting uh, AMM fees and you're also getting paid Astro rewards where your YL, you know, we could create a YLP auto compounding token where all of those rewards, AMM fees and rewards are used to buy more of the YLP token and you're consequently getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the advantages of that are of these compounding tokens. You know, as you've seen, maybe with with say Lunar X or you know Stake Luna that's coming pretty soon from Lido, is that they can still be earning you yield and just getting bigger and bigger and bigger whilst they're in an AMM. So Loop's been really successful recently um, by adding AUST as collateral um, versus some of its pairs. And the you know the thing about that is it's still earning yield whilst it's being LP'd. So that's that's a big advantage for it. And also you have this um, you know admin and and tax uh you know these tax reasons in some jurisdictions where um it becomes a capital asset rather than an income asset because it's not paying you out a regular income just the value of the the token is uh increasing over time there's no yeah there's no question that like the um whether it's an lp or in a rebalancer situation like an aust versus and auto compounding Y Luna, for example, would be pretty sweet. Um, you know, and then you could even do kind of interesting things like take numerous types of auto compounding tokens that like move in different price action. Um, so for example, you could do a Luna X from Stator plus a Y Luna auto compounded plus an AUST rebalance that and have like uh, good results. Cause really like, what you're looking for in those type of scenarios is you're looking for volatility um, and capitalizing on the volatility while by and large having very, very close to like uh, neutral exposure to your total amount of Y Luna that you have. So it, it's really pretty much an up only situation for the most part. There's not a lot of ways that that can go wrong, interestingly. Um, so the more of these types of um, protocols whether it's nebula uh nexus or some of the other folks that are building cool stuff um stator etc the more of these things that i think that bring in sort of prism into their strategies um and especially if you can create relatively low risk opportunities where yields are redirected to doing things like you know feeding into rebalancer bots or feeding into lp pools or something like that um, you can sort of build your position in sort of numerous, like, sort of like combo auto compounders where both all of the tokens you're dealing with are auto compounding. And on top of that, you're getting rebalancer yield on top of that, you know, so it can be very, very interesting. And I think the, the cleaner and more, um, I guess, low risk those strategies become, the more popular they become, especially for folks who are like anchor borrowers, for example. So if you can get a pretty decent sort of like 100% to 200% APY on a rebalancer um, ARB yield, which typically are going to beat most LP yields, by the way, almost always, then what you end up having is a relatively low risk way to get Luna exposure, or for that matter, like, for example, a Y Adam, Y Luna, Y Solana uh, rebalancer exposure, which would be amazing. Now you if you can make auto compounders with all of those things and you're getting the arbitrage volatility yield, it's just, just magic internet money at that point for real. And these are what's interesting about sort of rebalancing volatility arbitrages. There's like an endless 
amount of volatility in crypto and you're just feeding off of that energy, it's completely sustainable in that uh, like there's nothing specific about that that just sort of like runs out of steam. It just keeps going. And um, so I, I can foresee sort of like prism primitives, particularly in some of those being very, very popular. And uh, that being the case, what you end up having is you have a lot more locked up Luna. You have a lot more people that are uh, not willing to sell their Luna because they're making so much money off the, the volatility ARBs. And then what you get is sort of like this perpetual machine of uh, Luna's price appreciation, actually. So, so I, I believe like prism primitives, in my mind, actually increase the holding pressure of Luna. Um, and uh, the creation of these sorts of like uh, techniques or vaults, if you will, ends up creating sort of like buying pressure for Luna that creates even a, a, like a higher longer term target price for Luna. Um, someone had made the comment at some point that, you know, wait a minute, like if we are sort of getting Y Luna and P Luna, and now a lot of the trading is happening between these derivatives, like for example, P Luna versus being traded in Luna itself, doesn't that affect the perceived volume of like Luna being traded? And at the end of the day, it may not matter because if you have things like Luna P Luna rebalancers, for example, just playing off the volatility of those, you're going to get all sorts of little, um, like vaults being created and whatnot that will create all sorts of, I think, Luna, um, like volume. Uh, so I, I'm not so, not too concerned about like the drop, a drop in Luna to let's say UST volume versus, um, you know, volume amongst the various primitives. So I think the holding pressure um, of things like Prism, things like Stator, um, I, and I, and all these vaults and whatnot is going to lead itself to sufficient price exposure to offset any kind of um, like issues regarding like direct Luna volume. Um, what, I, what I'd add, it, I, what I'd add in there really is like you know fundamentally as as a you know obviously the more the more utility and the more growth and expansion UST has obviously you know, the, the more um, Luna gets burned. What happens here with protocols like ours, protocols like Stata, is if, um, if you're providing more utility to Luna and it's based around its yield, then in order for Luna to generate yield, it has to be staked. And so, in, yes, we're offering people P Luna and Y Luna, but obviously what's happening, in, it, it, what's happening in the background is they're depositing their Luna into Prism and it's getting staked in the background. And that's just taking the Luna out of circulating supply and dropping it into um, being staked. And so fundamentally for the ecosystem, that's, that's, um, that's extremely bullish for Luna. And if you have a situation where you know, you're able to get basically all your Luna yield via a Y Luna token or more if you participate in the Prism farming event, then you're earning more yield with your Y Luna than you would on normal Luna. And if your P Luna token ends up having extra utility and you can use that to be an LP provider and earn additional yield, or you can lend it out in Mars or Edge, then really like the, the gross yield that you're making out of your P Luna and your Y Luna is going to be significantly higher than you would with just stake Luna. And as a result of that, my, my suspicion is like the natural arbitrage will be that 
P Luna and Y Luna wants to trade a lot higher than Luna. And the result of that is that loads of Luna gets bought out of circulating supply, gets deposited into Prism, which stakes it. These people mint P Luna and Y Luna and sell that um, to make this kind of riskless arbitrage. And then, really, in the background, why Luna stakers should care about that is because that's just taking Luna out of circulating supply and just dropping it into a staking contract. And so fundamentally, if UST growth and expansion happens, then more and more Luna needs to get bought out of circulating supply. But if you have uh, protocols like ours and, and Stata that are taking this um, Luna out of circulating supply, then that only really increases the, um, the impact of each Luna buy that's required for the, uh, you know, for the minting of UST. Yeah, not not to mention uh, UST yield off of um, any sort of Luna primitive uh, in the form of auto compounders or otherwise. I think it tends to, I don't have data on this, but I, I would imagine it tends to get back into buying more Luna. And uh, the more efficient that becomes, that creates like a, a, a strange self-perpetuating price floor for Luna where a lot of the... Um, sort of revenue from the system actually just goes back to buying more Luna anyway, um, which is pretty cool. So yeah, I don't, I don't know of any other uh, system in DeFi at the moment that has so many like kind of positive feedback loops uh, making it worth, um, you know, making it worth holding your Luna one way or the other, whether it's in Prism or otherwise. Uh, yeah, pretty cool stuff. And I, I think what will what will end up happening actually when we bring in other primitives like Adam and such is my intuition would be to take the yield out of hyperinflationary coins and redirect that to buying you know more Luna you know that would be what I would do and um, the reason I would do that is because now I'm taking some like of the risk off of inflationary selling pressure by buying something that is a deflationary by nature on the other hand because the inflationary yields are so high on atom like if it takes a big dump in price i might be interested in getting more atom at that point so that's the time when i'd want more of it and so a rebalancer sort of automatically would do that with like why atom and then the yield could be theoretically redirected to um to luna instead so yeah it's not just the auto compounders that interest me it's the idea of taking yield from one style of coin and like diverting it to a different style of coin. And I think that would really dramatically increase uh, when we have those kinds of capabilities, it's going to actually cause another set of feedback loops where we're essentially taking the yield from other chains and essentially like driving up Luna's price yet again. Um, so, I, you know, this is the reason I'm like just hyper bullish on Luna compared to other chains. I just don't see this potential. The only thing I haven't seen happen is of course, not everything that I'm imagining in my head has been built yet. Um, Prism, Stator, um, some of the things that Nexus is sort of we're working on and um, working on. And I want to see what Nebula has to do. But yeah, some really, really cool um, sort of investment products can be built from this. Um, I, you know, I was thinking early, like I've, I've been talking out loud about the idea, um, Hyperion, of like the ability to ultimately create some kind of like a between kinetic money and Y Luna and some of these various tactics, you could possibly create like a replacement for essentially health insurance um, using these tactics. And I can kind of see the the puzzle pieces coming together in my head of how to make that occur. So I'm I'm really excited to see how all this sort of like plays out, how the community like, you know, 
uh, utilizes these systems. And I think ultimately prices Y Luna, P Luna. Um, and uh, over time, as yield changes for Y Luna, how all of this sort of like the balance, uh, you know, the, uh, for supply demand uh, plays out. Because um, once there's sort of more of an equilibrium at some point where we don't have some of the artifactually high yields, I think it's going to be interesting to sort of like play between these things and create weird and interesting new financial products that people haven't thought of. Um, if folks want to jump on for questions and such, uh, you know, hop, hop on ahead. Um, uh, I don't know if we've, hopefully haven't spoken too far above people heads, people's heads, but really the, the goal of like this discussion is really to sort of spark the imagination of all the crazy things you can do, all the possible protocols that can be built with these strange, um, you know, sort of like Web 3.0 native primitives. And um, and I think these are the kinds of things that are going to attract lots and lots of people um, from other chains and, uh, you know, and, and really build the Terra ecosystem um, is these kind of financial tools or whatever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyone want to hop on? Uh, I don't know if we have Ryan and Donker here. Ryan, let me hop, hop you on. I don't know if you have time. Uh, let's see if anyone has any commentary or some theories of how you want to like play with the Prism ecosystem. And Phil's on here. Let me get Phil on for a second. Your entire life with this is like extremely powerful, and I think people are gonna are gonna go insane. <laughs> yeah, like you mean you mean how it like changes how you think about your money? Period. Right. Like yeah, and it's allowing people to like use thoughts and. Uh, you know, learning types and structures that they used for games, which are completely different. Like we've talked about this to uh, to apply them to finance, and uh, I think that's going to be extremely powerful. Despite all of the things, oh, yeah. despite all of the like complicated things that we can talk about right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's yeah the gamification of your life almost. Yeah, you're right. Like it's almost like you know when you're playing a video game, like uh, like a real time strategy games are good examples. You'll have certain kinds of like you know pieces on the game board that like for example you know just churn out um you know gold or whatever right if you've played these kind of video games where you sort of like you you cer certain things you do for gold certain things you do for offense right. certain things you do for defense and uh depending on what your goal in the video game is you sort of like you know uh get different combos of these things um it's similar to how you sort of like live your life i guess is what you're saying it's it's starting um, to be i think and I, that's like making sense to an entire generation who spent their head or their lives with like their head in video games you know <laughs> yeah yeah sure like you know and that's that's why i was saying from like if you if you look at how like countries are run or you look at how governmental departments are run you look at how um i don't know financial uh, systems are run the, you know, there is a lot of uh, game theory in, in play, and when there isn't sufficient game theory in play, the people that do play video games are like, okay, I could probably run that department better than this. You know, like, you know, and yeah. you don't even have to necessarily know all, this, all the nuances or science behind how that's run. You just see all the stuff that's broken. It's like, wait, that, like, you could have predicted this had you thought this out, right? <laughs> and if you have the information, which is, like, the other very cool part of this is, like, in this space right now, uh, anyone who wants, you know, can take part. And uh, there's not like a bunch of secrets kept to like make more money that like make the entire system so hard to figure out. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, like in other words, if if rebalancer bots work, and I tell you guys how to use them, 
Like I don't lose any money by doing this, right? Like the actually the funny thing is like the more convenient <laughs> I make so it, use Prism, you know, components or Prism tokens or you know whatever, like you know, it works out better for me in the long run because my Luna goes up in value because people use it and yeah. find it useful. Yeah, it's amazingly. Uh, so you can like help everyone and you help yourself. Like truly, it's like a like it's a nice profit model that you can like angel protocol is like an amazing powerful concept like doing charity and getting paid for instance similar <laughs> yeah which, which is why i like by the way I, I i talk about these kind of like um you know volatility arbs and things like that because they're sort of perpetual there's not really an end to them and what's also you know unless you know we you know terra money becomes all the world's money and all the arbs have been sort of leached out of the system but at the end of the day, volatility is going to be there, especially when you add things like Levana leverage and whatnot, and you could make some interesting things out of that. Yeah, but, so crazy. Um, yeah like, but the, it's not like me telling you, you know, what possible theories could come out of this or helping a protocol develop this somehow is like negative for my, you know, personal well-being or like, you know, my ability to make a buck off of this or something. It's really interesting how that plays out. Um it's like, yeah, it is that kind of like, we're all going to make it kind of theory. <laughs> like, yeah, it's weird. It's really hard to get through to people. <laughs> yeah. I think you have this, um, you know, my view, my view on this stuff is you, when you join a new ecosystem like this, um, you know, you have an amazing, you have an amazing opportunity. We all have an amazing opportunity because it's such a new ecosystem. There's so many different um projects coming out there's so many different arbs and interesting strategies that are going to happen and and you know i i i like technical analysis as a way to you know um decide when to get into a long-term trade and when the right time to get out of potentially you know a long-term trade is but for like for me personally i think when you think about yourself uh, as a retail investor you know where, where your advantages are is that, oh Sorry, am I still on? You're kind of cutting a little bit, but you're okay. Sorry. I'm just saying, like, where is a, uh, as a retail investor, where your, like, big advantages are and that you, um, you, have a, you have a longer time horizon than the smartest institutions out there. You have permanent money. And as a result of having permanent money, you can take much longer decisions than your average institution can that's taking in lots of different money from pension funds or insurance um, insurance companies. So taking advantage of that and also taking advantage of the fact that, you know, these a lot of these institutions are promising, you know, certain returns for people. And if they have a down year, then everyone's going to pull their money out. Whereas you as a retail investor are able to, you know, wear a lot more volatility and take a much um, longer time horizon. And also because these institutions have huge amounts of money, you know, trading, trading, 30 Luna um, on, you know, on Astroport and making a nice ARP isn't going to, um, isn't going to make material returns for them. But for lots of users on Terra, that's going to make a huge, like meaningful impact on their life. So playing to your advantage of being a, you know, a smaller, a smaller fish in, you know, in a pond that isn't dominated by institutions and being able to wear volatility and take a long-term view, I think are like the key advantages that we all have um, in a newer ecosystem before all the institutional money floods into it. 
Yeah, the the uh, the concept that like smart money always wins is simply not true. Like, yeah, there's plenty of examples in crypto where the smart money missed the boat entirely, and it's actually the retail investor that did really well. So, but at the same time, there's a lot of education involved. You know, when it comes to crypto and its volatility and such, it's really easy to um, like do make a lot of mistakes as a retail investor too, and it it helps to be able to sort of like help people through that. Let me get ML on for a second. You there? Yeah, I just have the question around validator delegations. Like, uh, how's how's that going to work? And will there ever be a time where, uh, you know, users, I'm assuming that's the P Luna side, like P Luna holders can vote on their own delegators? Yeah, so it's actually going to be um, Prism, uh, X Prism holders. So the Prism governance token is going to vote on validators. So we have a short list now of the initial validators, um, you know, for people that tuned into the uh, GP spaces that we did yesterday. Um, you know, we got some, there's some news there. And then, uh, you know, I was mentioning a potential partnership with CoinHall earlier on. So we're trying to pick validators that are um, adding a lot of value to the ecosystem, are much smaller validators so that we're helping decentralize the ecosystem. And then validators that are, Going to going to want to be active participants in in the Prism community, and you know we don't we don't want to just delegate to people that are um, you know just going to take the delegation and and not do anything with it and not do anything helpful with it for the community. So we have a, we have you know the initial shortlist, but then once we go uh, once we go live, it's going to be up to governance holders to decide. Uh, which validators are you know the, the most helpful and the most relevant and going to add the most value for the ecosystem? And an interesting dynamic with that is that validators are then going to be incentivized to hold Prism tokens so that they can you know so that they can vote and so that they can um, you know do their best to try and remain in the active set. And then uh, yeah, so it's going to you know we just want to be we just want to spin it out to governance and try and make it as fair and transparent as possible okay yeah that's what i was getting at you know validator vote buying pretty much i i saw something similar on a different chain but that's going to be that's going to be at the prism token level not the not the p luna so i mean yeah just just from experience from another chain you know i i, I saw a token tokens price stay elevated just because of validators wanting control and wanting to vote for their own validator so that what you're saying that's going to all be on the prism token side let me get uh nick on for a sec i've got to actually break here there's a couple of the questions but i want to stop with nick just because um i've kind of got a complicated day as i mentioned before <laughs> hey thanks um uh i got a little late so if if you address this then just feel free to just stop but uh, what, as you see the the space as it exists now meaning there's no mars um, there are certain protocols that are coming on that would potentially affect uh, price discovery for Y Luna. I mean, P Luna sort of does whatever it's going to do based on presumably whatever the price of Luna is. I mean, there seems, you know, there's that correlation. What factors do you see like when Prism fully goes where there's going to be where you actually when you're fractionating in YMP, what factors do you see are going to help price discovery for both Y and P Luna? And do you see that? It, it, that potentially in that early phase, let's say for the first month where it might cost more than the cost of like C Luna, 
to put a Y Luna and a P Luna together? Or do you feel like the market will always settle where the the cost of having a Y and a P Luna together will always be equal to C? And maybe I don't understand. Maybe Hyperion could contribute to that since the AMM is going to be on prison. So, yeah. So, so it'll always be there'll always be an arbitrage if um, the sum of Y Luna and P Luna are trading different to the price of Luna. And so, if the, you know if the sum of Y and P are trading above, then you can just buy Luna in, and mint Y and P and immediately sell those for a profit. And if um, it's trading below, then very much like with Anchor Protocol, uh, sorry, with B Luna, you can buy B Luna at a discount and then use it to uh, redeem Luna from the Anchor Vault. And so you'll have those dynamics of like why it'll trade pegged around Luna. And then in terms of like the individual components and what proportion of Luna's price each of those components are going to trade, it's going to be really interesting because. I think people are going to start at the moment people hold Luna and they know they're getting a good yield from it, but they don't necessarily think too much about, you know, how exactly am I getting that yield? How sustainable long-term is that yield? Um, what is the exact breakdown of UST versus Luna that I'm receiving as part of that yield? And so I think that's going to be where a lot of the conversation revolves around. People might be like, okay, well, I think there's a great Astra drop, um, great airdrop coming like Astroport again. Maybe I want to own some Y Luna over that um, airdrop event or something like that. So I think you're going to get all these kind of interesting dynamics. You know, we saw, for example, like when the uh, community pool was burned, generating you know, 1.5 billion or 1.6 billions worth of swap fees in UST. That would have obviously been a huge event for Y Luna. Um, and in addition to that, the uh, rewards were previously being paid out over three years and it got moved down to two years. So right there, you'd have two events that would be huge for Y Luna. So I think you're going to get a lot of people now being like, right, what are the drivers of, of, uh, of Luna's yield? Because that's going to shape Y Luna. And then those people will be looking at Y Luna and pricing P Luna based off of where they're pricing Y Luna. And then you'll get other people that'll just be looking at the price of Luna and say, well, I want to have more lunar exposure. So I'm just going to try and max out my P Luna, basically. So I think, I think you'll end up having like lots of different dynamics. And I think people are going to, it's going to be really interesting because, and we're already seeing it. People are asking themselves different questions than they were previously when they were just holding Luna as they try to work out where for them it makes sense for these things to trade. And, and so how does the market get sent? I mean, in terms of is it just pure demand orders that you see on Prism or how 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 is it that the price gets set? I mean, I'm I'm a big newbie. So could you give me some sense of like, let's just say an announcement gets made on Astroport and then all of a sudden you get a thousand orders for Y Luna. And then how does that market across the, the actual protocol in terms of how that yeah. gets resolved? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, so when you, um, so, the, so the protocol won't be deciding the price. What will happen is it will just be the market demand um, that, that decides the price. So the same way that, you know, if Luna's getting bought loads on Astroport, the price of Luna on Astroport is going to move up. Um, and so it'll be exactly the same, you know, on Prism, 
every liquidity pool is is versus prism token so you'll have a y luna versus prism and a p luna versus prism liquidity pool and you know people will still be able to buy with ust or aust or whatever they want but ultimately like the more buying pressure on the amm it, it moves the price up the more selling pressure it moves the price down and so it'll just be those market forces that determine the price and because you know because lunar price might not move for example and p lunar price um, might not trade someone comes in and buys a huge amount of y lunar then that suddenly means that there's going to be this arbitrage again we were talking about where you know the price of y lunar has spiked but p lunar and uh, luna haven't moved and so you have those kind of interesting dynamics but ultimately the price is going to be set by the market and their you know and how much they trade on the amm and which direction they trade on the amm so when you say that there's a liquidity pool i mean is there going to be is there going to be a y luna ust or is it just y luna and prism because then that the prism price itself also adds another layer of complexity right so you know prism versus prism x and and that's in itself its own side of the equation of total value locked and how many you know what you're going to produce in fees i mean I mean, the first three months could be a total shit show. I mean, just now that I'm thinking about it, if that's really what's going to happen. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I appreciate you're saying it's interesting, but I mean, there's going to be a lot of discovery that people are just going to have to start to get comfortable with where they're going to be at. Uh, am I misreading that or? No, I think um, so. The, the, the fact it's versus PRISM um, is relevant for liquidity providers, but is less relevant for um people just looking at the price of y luna and p luna because you'll you'll always be able to get a price of y luna and p luna in ust and so you know that's how it's going to be presented to people on the on the web app and you can denominate it in anything you want you can choose to denominate your y luna in luna if you want or you can choose to look at it versus prism or x prism or aust or ust so the um the fact is versus prism is relevant for liquidity providers because you're going to have exposure to both assets and you know for people that have been liquidity providers on ethereum you'll know uh, if you were a liquidity provider on uniswap then a lot of those pools are versus eth um so you have the protocol token versus eth and you have to remember when you're doing that you're taking exposure to the price of both assets and so when you become a liquidity provider you better make sure you still like the token price of both of the assets. And when, you know, pools have been versus UST on Terror, I think people obviously got very used to just having to wander, uh, sort of worry about what one of the assets was doing because the other one was UST and wasn't doing very much. So what you want to do is if you want, if, if you like the price of white liner and you like the price of Prism, um, then it, it might make sense to be a liquidity provider because you're then also going to be able to earn AMM fees and uh, liquidity incentives. But if you think the current price of Prism or YLUNA is overpriced, then you probably don't want to be a liquidity provider. Thank you. Got it. Thanks, uh, guys, for showing up. Um, I know there's a couple other folks and questions. I'm sure uh, Hyperion is going to have a lot more sort of like discussions like this going forward. Uh, you can really get technical. What I what I would suggest people do is probably be careful with your Luna initially from the perspective of if you're suddenly taking all your Luna and buying one or the other asset, you know, um, I, 
you want to really be careful with like the strategy there so that you don't uh, do something you regret in terms of timing. So all of the usual risks of market timing uh, occur. Um, what I would probably do here is I would uh, take this kind of slowly, um, sort of kind of watch where the market goes and like, you know, ease into it a little bit if you're concerned, uh, which uh, Nick's point is you pretty much should be concerned because in the beginning is when you're going to have really, really volatile price discovery, which you can either use to your advantage somehow or wind up using it for your disadvantage. But my feeling is I'm just going to get whichever one's cheaper during this volatility. <laughs> like, so if there is one that looks extraordinarily like why Luna is way more popular for some reason, then I'll get the other um, as a counter trade is what I probably will do. That, but I, again, I, I'm not suggesting anyone do what I do. It's just sort of like how I'm thinking it through as far as how I might play with play this video game, sort of. Um, but uh, I'm going to let you guys go because I'm kind of in a moving vehicle now. and We probably will get disconnected anyway. But uh, it's been great having everybody. Hi, Pierre, and thanks for uh, uh, chit-chatting with us. And um, uh, any closing remarks or... Uh, yeah, I, th I think... Um, yeah, thanks very much for hosting this chat. You know, it's, it's been super interesting. I mean, I'd, I'd echo your comments there. If you don't have a strong view on where Y Luna or P Luna should trade, you know, in the first instance, head into Prism, refract your Luna into P Luna and Y Luna, hold on to your P Luna and use your Y Luna to farm in the in the um in the Y Luna farming event. And then you can always know that you can combine your Y Luna and P Luna uh, back to your original Luna if you want. And so you know, in the first instance where there's price discovery happening, you know, ha have a strong view, then great, then then trade it. If you don't, then you're probably better hanging on to both your Y and P until the market settles down. And then, you know, just on general stuff, like obviously, yeah, I, I think there's probably some more questions. We have um, Telegram open now and we're having, you know, uh, some, you know, there's some really high quality um, conversations going on in there. We also have Discord. So any questions you have, you know, there's there's a lot to think about with Prism and a lot of um, opportunities it's unlocked. So, you know, we'd love it the more people that want to come and be part of the discussion in uh, in Telegram or uh, on Discord. And thanks you very much, Sefi, for uh, hosting the space. Yeah, have a great day, everybody, and uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was the CFI space with Mister Refractor. It's the Prism Strategies. Recorded on Thursday, January 20th, 2022. This episode of the Ether was brought to you by Talus Protocol. Talus is the NFT platform for independent artists on Terra. Talus is dedicated to providing artists with the tools and resources needed to transition from traditional art into the NFT world. With their V1 launch coming soon, Talus will be the place to see real-world art reflected on Terra. Find your next favorite artist on talus.art. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Get it off my chest a bit, typing out a word pie. Gonna eat shit straight.
straight to your safe place Soup with a fly on a spoon in my database Update the playlist, bumping these 808s Ain't no way I'm saving face, sitting with these shady mates Got a whole dog, ready for a head in it Jumped out of plane, now he's feeling all bedridden Looking magnificent, dressed like a hoarder Rip on his tombstone, he couldn't take orders The game is whack, knick-knack, caddyshack Go for the low-hanging fruit like a paddy wagon Maniac, trying to wash off the damage Just another night throwing javelins Focus on the craft, lifting up brain weights Repping that repetition like he's gotta represent Disconnected from the rest, even when he's feeling blessed The rest never comes soon enough Rumors bluff, ruin luck Bruised up from being the elusive one Mr. Do or Die, suiting up hungry Like a broke Iron Man, stunting for the country It's all lovely on the day, got the call It was time to ship out, done waiting on y'all Isolation on the pilot ship was a fucking cakewalk. He was made for the rush. When it's time to find a planet, who they gonna send? How the fuck you think you gonna handle the descent? About to fall asleep for 20 years. Are we there yet? Creeping where no one's ever crept. Spaces.